It's so good to be with you here this morning. Uh, again, my name is Chad Wickstrom. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, so grateful that you're here with us on our launch Sunday, launching in a new part of where God is calling us to, to live and to be a church family and to stand up and bring hope with the gospel message to wherever God directs us. But he's landed us right here. So we're glad that you're here with us this morning. I want to say hi to everybody watching online. Guys, give them a wave. There's there's couple hundred people watching online, probably. Uh, we're glad that you're joining with us online. We welcome you to come here in person. We are spread out and safe, so we've got a, a place for you when you're ready to come and be with us here in person. Um, as it is our launch day, I wanted to just start by telling you a little bit of what Pursuit Church is about. Uh, so that you can get a picture of that. And it's a good reminder for those of us who have been here. Uh, but I want to paint that picture for you just real quick. And then we're going to dig into a great book of the Bible uh, that's going to speak to us right where we're at in this season. But uh, let me just say, I, I like to say that Pursuit Church is a church for people who have given up on church. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Maybe you've been disillusioned and you're kind of going, and what is this thing about? I'm trying to figure this out. I also like to say that it's a place where you can belong before you believe. Uh, we recognize and we welcome people who are searching spiritually to be a part of what we're doing. And we think that's important. We think God, it honors God uh, and what he wants to do in this world. Um, we've said that Pursuit Church exists to love God, to grow together, and to serve people. Those are the things that we're about, that we try to position and posture ourselves to be ready to do when God shows us what he's doing. And let me just say, if, if I were to paint a picture or to, to characterize it in a dream, if what we hope to become as we, we sit around and look about who, who we are, we're dreaming about who we might become. And this is what, uh, what we've said. We dream of becoming a reproducing, we think healthy things reproduce, Multi-ethnic, we believe God's people are of all race, creed, color, and nationality. So reproducing, multi-ethnic, and multi-generational. We can learn from one another, young and old alike. A church that's only one generation or just a, a segment of generations is unhealthy in my mind. And so my hope is that God will draw and build a church that is multi-generational. Uh, we believe that we'll probably be about the size of 250 to 300 people, and then we're going to plant another church when God grows us to that size because we believe that's the best way to reach new people. So that's just a little bit of who we are. I wanted you to taste that and, and know that and hear that online if you've been watching and checking us out. That's who we hope to be. Another way that we've stated it is in kind of five initiatives that we're pursuing over the next five years. The first one is this, that we're going to do everything in our power, everything in our power, beginning with prayer, to make it hard for people to go to a Christless eternity in our region. Whatever that looks like, whatever calls us, God calls us to do, we're going to do everything in our power to make it hard for people to go to a Christless eternity. We're also planning to grow through small groups that meet in each other's homes, we believe that life shared out in each other's homes is where we really get to grow. And that's why we believe in the strength and the power of small groups. It helps us grow to spiritual maturity. We also believe that 
Discipleship happens best one-on-one. And so we are building and growing our one-on-one discipleship. That's a heartbeat of what we want to do and be to help people grow. You are different, right? All of us are different. We have different needs. We're in different stages. Therefore, God works with us each individually. We also want to embrace the care needs of hurting people through recovery. People are broken and hurting now more than ever. There is a mental health crisis on our hands and emerging. And we believe God's people want to position themselves to be ready to help through recovery, divorce recovery, grief ministry. These things are often neglected areas of ministry. And we want to be a church that does that, that steps into the mess with people and helps them grow and become healthy. And again, the last thing I'll just mention is that we want to plant reproducing churches that do the same thing regionally and globally and here locally. So that is just a little bit of a picture of Pursuit Church. Um, For those of you who didn't know or are watching online, that's who we're dreaming of becoming. We're not there right now. We got a lot of work. There's plenty of room for any of you to step in and be a part of any aspect of that vision that God is birthing in us. But now let's jump in. Are you guys ready to get into the book of Daniel today? We are getting into the word. I want to just take a minute to to share that piece of it. We're going to study the book of Daniel because it is relevant to this time here and now. The, The series we're calling it Strange. In this world, you're going to have struggles and pain and trials and difficulty. You're going to face opposition and you will be challenged. If you are doing anything that resembles a pursuit of God, living it out authentically, you're going to face opposition, and it's only going to increase. The world is full of broken people, and the world itself is broken, and we know instinctively and intuitively eternity is in our hearts that this world is is not what it should be, right? We look around and say, things are broken. It's not working. God has said he's written eternity on the heart of every person in this world. So whether they, the world or anybody acknowledges that, it's there. Something is calling out to us to search for something deeper. You, my friends, were meant to be strange in every good sense of the word. And that's why we're pursuing this series, calling it Strange. Never in our lifetime have we faced anything like COVID-19, right? This is crazy. This is, it's insane. We're still here, what, eight months later. We're going, is this ever going to, re- I, I read an article yesterday. It was like pandemic fatigue. And I was like, I, sign me up because I'm right there, right? I, I mean, I, that, we're all there. Like, we're, we're done with this. Let's get over this. We've never faced anything like this. I mean, people are living in fear of catching the virus. Man, we go in stores, right? People don't even want to look at each other, let alone talk to each other anymore. It was already bad as it was. Now it's multiplied times 10. Guys, we are living in a strange time in history. Washing our hands, which is always a good practice, is now our civic duty, right? Now it's a, you're a good citizen if you're washing your hands and keeping your six feet of distance, wearing your mask, right? That's it's weird stuff. This is weird. We have words that all of us now know, coronavirus, pandemic, social distancing, community spread, herd immunity, flattening the curve, shelter in place, PPE, and so many more, right? It's stuff we've never talked about. And here it's all common. We all knew exactly what those words meant now. Even more maybe hits at home for some of us. We're impacted financially. Things are crazy in the financial realm. 
Even though they've gotten maybe a little bit better, all of us are kind of concerned. We don't know what's going to happen. They're talking about another outbreak and maybe shutting down again. And we're going, can, can the economy withstand? It creates a, a little bit of concern, anxiety, or worry, right? We're all in that same place. This feels like a foreign country now more than it ever has. A number of years ago, I was awakened in the middle of the night to this weird, dying sort of elephant sound. It was like, what? 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 And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of get out of my sleep, and I'm, whoa, what, what's that? Well, earlier in the day, I was um, talking with a missionary who was living in the jungle. I was there in the jungle with her, and my son Caleb and I were on a mission trip in Thailand, and she had told us, as we were getting ready for bed, we got to sleep in the jungle. Don't ever recommend it. It's very bizarre. Lots of weird noises like this one I just shared with you. And um, as we go to bed, she's like, hey, there's been this weird lizard that's been waking everybody up and running around at night. If you guys find it, if you could chase it, get rid of it, maybe cap- capture it, kill it, or whatever, just get rid of it. And so I'm thinking, like, as I'm coming to my senses being awakened in that sound, I'm like, what is happening? And we realize that, that probably that lizard is in our room that we're sleeping in. And so we flip on lights, the lights that were there. Uh, there was some basic lighting there. And, and we're looking around, and there's this lizard. I kid you not, it was like that long. The tail was out to here. And I'm like, I was thinking lizard like this. No, this lizard was like this. And the sound, I kid you not, was like a barking dead elephant or something. I mean, it just woke me right up. And I'm going, where? I'm trying to figure out where I am, just completely feeling like I'm out of my comfort zone, way out of my, my league in a foreign country. Finally, we chased the thing out. We didn't catch it. It was super fast. It was freaky fast. Like, you'd go after it, and it was like, and it's out of the room. We finally settled down, get back into bed. I lay down and go to sleep, and then I just had this eerie feeling, like something is looking at me. It's all dark, and I remember I had my camera light right with me, and, and, or my phone, on the, the light on my phone, and so I quickly, I'm, I'm laid on my side, I'm, I'm kind of facing the inside of the room, and I flip my light on, and I look on my backpack. Guess what I saw there? No, not the lizard, a big spider, like the body of a spider right on my backpack. Guys, I was in a foreign country, and it was a little freaky. I don't, I don't think that's what we're... we're in now, but we all feel a little bit like, I'm way out of my league. This this just feels so weird, right? Main idea today is this. We need wisdom from God. The book of Daniel offers us that kind of wisdom. How do we live in a foreign country, a place where we we don't feel like we know and understand it? The main idea is this. God is faithful, powerful, and wise even when the world is falling apart. Let's pray as we dig into the Bible this morning. Father God, I thank you that you are worthy of praise. You are worthy of all that we give you this morning. And as we think about being in what feels like a foreign country, God, would you illuminate us, illuminate to us your, your word, your truth, that, that we leave different than we came this morning, that we're changed, our thinking has changed, we're renewed in our spirit in pursuing you and being on mission, the mission you've called us to be on. God, we need your grace and your mercy to flow out in us, through us, by your spirit. Lord, I pray that as we dig into your word, that you would open our hearts and uh, speak to us today. Lord, speak to me, speak through me, Father, 
Use me as your mouthpiece today, God. Please, I, I beseech you that your words would linger in our hearts and mind. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would turn in your Bibles to uh, Daniel chapter 1, we're going to read through this, and I want to just catch a little bit of the story, and then we're going to talk about the ways that we can live in God's design when the rest of the world isn't. So Daniel chapter 1, in your notes, uh, you can follow along there. The verses are there as well, or in the Bible app, YouVersion Bible app, live events, you can find Pursuit Church and in, in it will be there as well. So in Daniel chapter 1, we're going to read this entire chapter real quickly because it's a story, and I want to dig into that story as we think about this today. How do we live in a world that's messed up, that feels like a foreign country? This is what Daniel was experiencing. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year, in the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them, teach them, somewhere I'll find it here, he was to teach them, there he is, the, the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to, listen up, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of the Lord my king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other younger men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to do this and tested them for 10 days. We're almost through. Stay with me here. Verse 15, at the end of those 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than all the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables and said, exciting stuff, right? Exciting that they got to eat vegetables. But to these four young men, God gave, because of what they did, God gave them Knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into the service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them. He found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, enchanters in this whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Man, what, a, what an incredible story. If you've been in church, you grew up in church, you've probably heard that story before. But I, I think there's some really important lessons that we can take away with us as we think about living in a world that is foreign to us, just like Daniel and his friends. Some important lesson. The main idea, again, is this. God is faithful, powerful, and wise, even when the world is falling apart. And now as we dig into Daniel, let me give you just a little bit of background so that we understand what's happening here. Daniel is divided into two parts. The first part of Daniel, the first six chapters, is primarily narrative and story talks about Daniel's life in Babylon under the foreign king. So we get six chapters of that. Then the, the last six chapters, verses, or chapters 7 through 12, are primarily a record of Daniel's visions concerning the future and the nation of Israel and world empires. And so when we think about the end times, which we're all kind of wondering about, the book of Daniel is one of the key books that we need to look at to read, to study, to understand as we put the pieces together and we respond to what's going on in the world. It's interesting to compare these, the first part of Daniel to the last part. In the first six chapters, Daniel interprets visions for the kings. In the last six, he gives, God gives visions directly to Daniel. In the first six chapters, God's fame among the nations is emphasized. In the last six, God's faithfulness, faithfulness to his nation is emphasized. In the first six chapters, basically Daniel's stories are written in third person. In the last six, he writes in first person. In the first six, most of the, the writing is in Aramaic. In the last six, in Hebrew, indicating different audiences that he's writing to. Those are things all important to keep in mind as we dig into this book and study it together. Daniel's role in the Bible, he's the last of the major prophets. The others are Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And during this time, he's captive in Judah. So the book plays several roles in the Bible. In Daniel's life, number one, it serves as an example to us, those who have chosen to follow God, how do we live in a foreign country? How do we live in a place that's not our home? So it's encouragement for those that follow God and are living in his design. But it's also a prophetic message to the rest of the world about the end that's coming. This world is not all there is. There is an end to it. And God has planned it. He's foretold it through prophets. And we see a picture of that here. So real quickly as we dig in, and I'm just going to give you two practical things that I want to take with you from this first chapter today, but make sure we understand the historical context. God has chosen people. They are descendants of Abraham. And they're living out this reality as God's chosen people. And they succeed and they fail. They, they, they worship him and then they sin against him. And there's this cycle that we see all through the history of the nation of Israel. Finally, the kingdom of Israel reaches its peak under David and Solomon. And then the 12 tribes are divided into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. So Daniel is with Judah in this divided kingdom. And they are attempting to still live for God, Judah is. While the other tribes fail, 
The last good king, Josiah, attempted a revival, but he faced such strong opposition that the, the world won out. And so we find here, we land with Daniel in the middle of this story unfolding of God's people coming under divine discipline and being taken captive around 600 B.C. They, uh, the kingdom of Babylon attacks Judah and destroys the temple and destroys the, the town, the city, the nation, or the capital, Jerusalem. And the Jews then find themselves in this strange foreign country. Now, Babylon is modern-day Iraq, so when we think about the Middle East and all that's going on, all the conflict that's still going on there, it's still happening to this day. As indicators to us, God is still working. He hasn't left the planet. His mission is still unfolding. So the Jews find themselves in Babylon, which was a prosperous country. Hanging gardens were the, one of the seven wonders of this world, a very affluent part of the world at the time. It was a center of learning and technology. They had their very own religion about creation and all sorts of temples to false gods. And so here, the, the tribe of Judah, the remnant that's taken captive, are trying to live out their faith in the middle of a place in this context. And they faced a hard question. How would they live as God's people when the rest of the world wasn't? Key verse for us that we'll return to as we go through Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 through 3. There's maybe a couple others you could have chosen. This one, I think, fits our purposes for this series. Listen up carefully. Daniel chapter 12, later in the book of Daniel, last chapter, it says this. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life. Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. My friends, there is a mission on planet Earth. The book of Daniel speaks to it. It's unfolding. It was unfolding then and it's still unfolding to this day. And you have an opportunity to be a part of it. What will you choose to do? Some of them that were living in, in Babylon in captivity, decided to just go with the flow. Decided to just kind of uh, adopt the customs and the culture. They tried to fit in, not make waves. But there were a few brave and courageous exiles that chose to become a redemptive force in their time. My friends, we're not to sit back and watch what's happening on planet Earth go by us. God is calling a people forward to be a redemptive force just like he did in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's time, they were called to live strange lives. Would you turn to your neighbor real quickly and said, you were born to be strange. Now, if you're sitting in someone in particular that you think that about, make sure to emphasize that. You were definitely born to be, you were born to be strange. I know that because I live with you. We're reminded in the New Testament in 1 Peter of this calling, of this, this impulse that is, is birthed within each of us. You are not like that, speaking of the world. You're not like the world, for you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result of being chosen, you can show others the goodness of God. 
For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if you, they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. My friends, we are called to shine brightly in this age. Again, the main idea is this. God is faithful, powerful, and wise even when the world is falling apart. So let me give you two very practical applications um, from this first part of Daniel for today that you can take home with you and put it into practice today. Number one, in your notes from this part of Daniel... You and I have to make a choice today, if we have not already made the choice, to stand for what we believe. You were not created to be a passive human being taking up oxygen on planet Earth. God has a mission and a purpose, but he doesn't start to unfold in your life if you don't make a choice to stand for what you believe in. Look at verse 7 in Daniel, how he did this. Chief, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. To Ezra, Abednego. Why did he do that? Why did he give them new names? He wanted to erase their identity and stamp the identity of the Babylonian culture on them. Look what Daniel decided to do in verse 8. Daniel resolved not to defile himself, specifically in the practice of eating the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself that way. Why was that food and drink such a big deal for Daniel? Was it a health thing? Was he a, a vegan and he just didn't want to eat the meat? No. <laughs> no, that wasn't it. The food was, was not kosher, and the food and drink had probably been sacrificed to idols. It was a part of his spiritual identity. It was a part of who he was. He was living out his life in his best conscience, knowing, knowing he wanted to please God with his life. He was not trying to change the eating habits of the Babylonians. That was not what he was doing. He was reminding himself and his Jewish friends who they were, God's chosen and in the words of Peter that we read earlier, chosen and holy, God's special possession. My friends, you are God's special possession when you are in Christ. He has not forgotten you. 1 Peter 3.15, when we take a stand, we need to be wise about how we do it so we don't come across as self-righteous or arrogant. Daniel gives us a great example of that. But Peter encourages us, in our hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with what? Gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that, that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now again, look at how Daniel does this with wisdom and reverence. He says to the guard, respectfully, respecting and honoring his position, knowing he, he would get in trouble 
for doing what he's doing. If it didn't produce a good result, he, he asked the guard, the chief official who had, who had been appointed over him, please test your servants for 10 days in verse 11. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this test, tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine and gave them vegetables. Anybody say amen to that, right? Let's all eat our vegetables, right? <laughs> there is something to be said for that. But again, Daniel won this battle, maintained his integrity from the start of his time in Babylon. He stood for what he believed in respectfully, honorably, in a way that was attractive. The second thing we see here that I think is a takeaway for us, uh, as we look at Daniel's example, we can work diligently to excel in life. Sometimes I think we need permission to do that because as believers, we come, become passive. We become, just kind of let the world float on by and we forget that God's given us gifts and talents and he wants us to use them and excel at what we do. He wants us to work with those things and make a difference and an impact like he did with Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at verses 17 through 20 as their example uh, to us today of being diligent with what they were given. These four young men God gave because of their choices to stand for what they believed. God gave them knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, they were presented. The king talked with them and he found none equal to these four young men. God is waiting for people whose hearts are fully his so that he might strengthen them. Now, this is significant because the literature and knowledge of the Babylonians include their sacred writings, their creation myths, their astrology, and their magic arts. And Daniel and his friends knew more about all of that than the rest of the king's magicians. They had worked diligently to understand their culture, their, the place that they lived, even though it was a foreign country. God had granted them grace to, to have the knowledge and understanding. I believe God wants to do that very thing with us. While Daniel was diligent in his work and excelled in the life he had been given, he grabbed hold of those opportunities. So my question for you this morning, will you... Grab hold of the opportunities that God has given you to live an exciting life. My friends, God doesn't want, want you to live a boring life sitting back and watching it pass you by. He wants you to jump in, excel at what you do, and make a difference and let your light shine. Christ followers have the greatest reason to excel in all areas of life, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, or emotional. We've been entrusted a precious gift in life. God wants us to use it. We should excel with well-rounded information and opinions that are carefully developed and thoughtful. We should excel in areas like science and technology and, and arts and music and writing. All those things can give glory to God when we use them for his purposes. In our work, 
or businesses, employers or employees. We should shine by how we treat others or how, how we work in the middle of all the chaos. Even the most menial tasks we can do as though we're doing them for God himself. Grow where you're planted. And I believe churches should be known for the impact that they make and for what they add to the community. And when they're gone, they should be missed from the community if they were to ever leave. It's part of the reason why we're amping up and engaging with Serve 6-8. That's why at the end of the month, we're doing something to bring the community together, to serve them, to give them an opportunity to, to be together in the midst of all this craziness with our Trunk or Treat event right out here in the parking lot. We're doing that to serve the needs, to excel in the place that God's called us to excel so that we can shine in our relationships with the people who are truly lonely or hurting or troubled. Philippians 2.14, our last verse this morning to, to focus our attention. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud of you that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. My friends, now is one of the greatest times in history for you to make a decision to stand for what you believe and shine your light where you're planted. People are searching as never before to make sense of this unbelievable time. You have an opportunity to paint a picture of the future that God has planned for the world, and he wants to do it through your life. And again, Daniel reminds us to live uncommon and even strange lives in the middle of all this. Main idea again is this. God is faithful, powerful, and wise, even when the world is falling apart. God is faithful, powerful, and wise. So what is your next step? Don't be just a hearer today. Take what God is speaking to you and act on it. What is he asking of you? What is he challenging you with today? Maybe you're realizing for the first time that you don't know this God that's powerful and wise and ready to give you that strength. The Bible is very clear. It has some bad news and good news. The bad news first, you have sinned and so have I. Romans tells us all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The consequence of that sin, he says later, is death, spiritual death, separation from God for all of eternity. But the good news is that while we were still sinners, Romans 5.8 says God demonstrated his love for us. While we were st still sinners and he died, God demonstrated his love for us in the death of his son Jesus Christ on the cross. I want to challenge you today, if you have never taken a step of faith, to make Jesus your Lord and Savior to do that with me right now as I lead you in a prayer of response. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If God is stirring in your heart, whether you're here in person or online, if you would simply express these words to him from your heart, there's nothing special about the words other than that they reflect what's going on in your heart. 
And as a shepherd, I would consider it an honor as a pastor to, to shepherd you with some words today to respond to what God's doing. You might pray this, Jesus, I know I am sinful and I realize that my good deeds could never make up for any of my wrongs. I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and I want to turn away from them right now. I trust you to be my Lord and my Savior. And with your help, I will follow you as my leader in the fellowship and the friendship of your church. As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, I just want to invite you, if you prayed that today, whether online or here in person, let us know. I'm going to be in the back at the end of the service. Would you just stop by? Let me know. I'd love to pray with you to encourage you in that. Let us know online by just leaving a comment, hey, that, that you responded today. We'd love to pray for you that way. My friends, if you are a follower in Jesus Christ, let me just pray for you. God, I pray that you would help us to live like Daniel's, to live strange lives in the middle of this chaos. That we would make the choice right now to stand for what we believe with kindness, with reverence, with respect, but firmly. And God, we would choose, make that commitment in our minds and in our hearts to excel at what you've called us to do and to be, no matter where it is. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that we do these things in response to his great love for us. God, we do this in response to your great love for us. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would